This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Hey everybody, we're back. It's the Forever Mighty Postseason Show continues on and on. It's the middle of summer, still putting out content. It's Pat and Eddie on the mics today. Jason can't make it for a very special episode, though, that Ed put together. I don't want to take any credit away from you. We have Trevor Zegers on the show today. Ed, you got the uh, the opportunity to sit down with him, that you know, and you made it happen because apparently Jason and I can't figure out our schedules when we're working, but uh, <laughs> thankfully someone back east was able to line things up, right? You're that guy. Yeah. It was uh, it was great that we were able to do it. We we usually interview a couple of prospects each year, but uh, this one this one was extra special. You know, the the duck season this year was <laughs> was so disappointing, and the the lone bright spot that we had was the Ducks being bad enough to get a, a top ten pick, and, and the fact that uh, Trevor was nice enough to join the show and answer all of our questions. Uh, you know, he's he's at Boston University right now just kind of uh, seeing what it's going to be like for the start of next season. So he was nice enough to take time out of his day to come on and answer our questions. And it's a great interview. It was a lot of fun. He's a great guy. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, I know. Definitely got that. But stick around after the interview. We have uh, just a little bit of Duck stuff to talk about. You know, Eric Stevens still pumping on content. Ducks are still signing um, some players here. So we have some minor stuff to chat about after the interview. But, uh, yeah, stay tuned. We've got a very special guest joining the podcast tonight, Anaheim Ducks ninth overall selection in the 2019 NHL Entry Draft. Trevor Zegris is here. Welcome to the show, Trevor. Hey, thanks for having me. How you doing? Not too bad. I mean, how's everything been for you since the draft? I mean, have you had any time to unwind at all? It's kind of been a hectic couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of been bouncing around from the draft. Obviously, we had development camp right after that. And then from there, I flew right to Boston University where I'm taking a class right now. Um, so, I mean, not too much time to, to unwind, I guess. Um, but, I mean, I'm doing my best, so. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's pretty hectic. A, a lot of time building up to the draft, right? I mean, you, you grew up playing a lot of sports, eventually narrowed it down to hockey and lacrosse. What was it about hockey that just seemed to, to click for you? Well, I think first and foremost, I think I was the best at it. Um, I mean, from a very young age, I had a strong passion for the game. Um, I love watching hockey. Um I don't know. I just think it was just kind of in my DNA as a little kid. Uh, I kind of stuck with it. 
Yeah, and you grew up in New York, and, and I believe you're a New York Rangers fan, right? How invested are you in the sports teams in the area? I mean, there's a lot of sports teams to choose from. You know, the, the Knicks, the uh, the Nets now in basketball. You get the Yankees, you get the Rangers, the Islanders. How how invested are you still in sports teams in the New York area? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm a huge Giants and Yankees fan. Uh, growing up, I literally I almost felt like I was a part of the Rangers organization. Uh, my whole family loved it. Um, but I mean, obviously now as I'm older, I probably watch more players than teams these days. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm still kind of a Ranger fan. But, I mean, it's, it was obviously a really important part of my childhood. So still a Rangers fan at heart, but uh, you gotta you gotta kind of root for the Ducks now. You got uh, a little bit of exactly. riding on it. <laughs> so uh, exactly. I, I mean, you've probably been asked this question a million times at the draft, but uh, take us through that moment when you found out you were picked by the Anaheim Ducks and the emotions you were feeling. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of surreal just to hear your name called. Um, you, you really don't know what it's going to be like until you hear, hear your name. Um, but, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely, I guess, anxious sitting there, not knowing where you're going to get picked. And, obviously, getting picked by the Ducks was obviously obviously very exciting for me just because it's in California. Um, I mean, really nice area. So, I think, I think my time at Dalman Camp was, was pretty cool just because I'd never been to California before. Um, but, I mean, yeah, obviously just really exciting. Yeah, and now that you can sit back and kind of reflect on that day, how how hectic is the whole process? I mean, having the the whole build up before the draft, you, you then you get your name called, you're straight into interviews, and then you're shooting promotional videos for the team. Uh, how crazy is that <laughs> whole entire day? Yeah, I think right after I got picked, the lady, the lady, I don't remember her name, but she she's basically like, "Good luck," because I think it's called like the gauntlet, um, <laughs> and it's it's crazy. You're going from place to place. I mean, you're doing interviews every five seconds. Um, but I mean, it's, it's kind of what you want. So I wouldn't really change it any other way. I mean, you're, you're, you're doing it for an NHL organization. So I think it's pretty cool. Exactly. And you had uh, that moment to share with your teammate and friend, Henry Thrun. Uh, could you, you guys could eventually play on the same team in the NHL. How cool is it to kind of share that moment with a buddy? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've known Henry since I was a little kid playing against him. Um, I mean, I'm driving up to Boston every other weekend to play him. Um, so it's funny, funny how it all works out in the end. Um, but I mean, really exciting for him and me. Uh, I think we were basically roommates for that, that past two weeks. Uh, so it was really cool. Yeah, that'll, that'll be pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, another cliche question here. And, and again, you were probably asked this about a hundred times at the draft alone, but for Ducks fans who maybe haven't been able to see your game, what do you expect to bring to the Ducks organization? Uh, I think a lot of skill. Um, I think, I think I'm a pretty creative player. So, I mean, kind of do the unexpected thing. Um, but, I mean, I'm just really passionate about the game. So, I think I can bring a lot to Ducks fans and the team. So, probably just exciting player, I guess. Uh, what is it about Patrick Kane that makes him a player you idolize your game after? And can you imagine eventually lining up across from him in the next couple of years? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely going to be marked on my calendar if, <laughs> if, if that time comes. Um, but, yeah, that should be really cool. I mean, I just love the way he, he sees the ice and his ability to stick handle. And go through guys, uh, but I mean, yeah, I think he's he's a, he's a guy I've looked up to for a long time. And you talked about going to your first development camp in Anaheim. What did you think of the experience and the new Great Park facility that the Ducks just built? Yeah, that place was that place was incredible. Um, I mean, the locker room alone in the training facility was one of the nicest locker rooms I've been in. Um, but I mean, that place is first class. Obviously, the new weight room and everything was was unbelievable. So that was really nice. 
And, and what was your experience like at development camp, getting to meet a lot of the other prospects and, and you know, sharing again that moment with, with your friend Henry and just kind of taking in that entire moment? Yeah, I think, like you said, just kind of take it in. Uh, you just try and learn as much as possible because it's, it's a quick week. Um, but, I mean, like like I said, it was our first time to, to Southern California. Uh, so we both got some pretty nice chance. So <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, so since it was your first time, we asked this question to Blake McLaughlin and Jack Perbix last year after the draft because it was their first time to uh, Southern California as well. Did you get a chance to experience In-N-Out? Because I made my way down to, to California for the first time a couple years ago, and uh, apparently it's an experience you have to take in while you're down there. I'm not sure if it was called In-N-Out, but I went to some like fast food place. It was like right on the water. It might have been called like, Ruby's or something. I'm not sure what it was called, but it was fantastic. It was a great view, so... Apparently, In and Out has to be the place you, you have to go down there. I don't know. I've been told. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna check it out. We'll see. The last day of development camp, you got a chance to for the fans to come and watch. Did you get a chance to interact with many Ducks fans, or was kind of closed off? No, yeah, it was kind of closed off. I mean, I wish. I think that would have been pretty cool. I think a lot of a lot of people came out and showed support. So um, it was definitely awesome. And now, so you've spent the last couple of years with the NTDP. Uh, how did that time with the program set you up for your next chapter now at Boston University, the NCAA, and eventually in the NHL in the future? Uh, I think first and foremost, I think like my maturity. I think I grew up a lot. Uh, that place kind of forces you to grow up, whether you like it or not. Um, but it definitely gets you ready for the next level, whether that's that's college or, or in some people's case, the NHL. Um, but I, I definitely definitely think my time there was was well worth it. I wouldn't change it. If I had the chance. Yeah, and you ultimately ended up choosing the NCAA route. You were drafted by the Mississauga Steelheads in the OHL, which is commonplace for a lot of uh, NCAA commits. But was there ever thought that you might decide to play there, or was Boston University always the the choice for you? Uh, I mean, there was definitely some discussion about it, but I was pretty set in stone on Boston University. I just think that's the right place for a couple reasons, um, and I and I'm kind of sticking to that. So. And some players end up saying that college is a good place to go and, and bulk up, if you want to call it that, or, or to prepare yourself for the physical demands of the NHL. Is that kind of your plan, or is there some areas you're looking to develop heading into this season? Well, I mean, I definitely think that's that's, that's a big part of it. Uh, I think working out all week and the games on the weekend, uh, I think that's kind of the best way to get stronger, I guess. Um, maybe you're not getting that same kind of weight training in the OHL, um, but that's something I definitely think, think I want to work on is, is getting stronger. So I think that's a big part. How long do you think you'll stay at BU? Uh, do you think you're going to go there for the year and then see how it ends at the season and maybe join the Ducks? Or are you looking to maybe stay there a bit longer? Uh, I think I think I think that's a, a decision for another time. Um, I don't really think you can put a timeline on it. Uh, I think it's got to be a mutual agreement between you and the team. Um, kind of see where you are, where you can fit in. But I think that's I think that's a decision for for, for a time down the road. So. Right, yeah, just go in and enjoy the season now and then kind of think about that later on. Exactly. Uh, when you yeah. get to BU, you'll be going against some former teammates who have committed to Boston College, including your friend Spencer Knight. What's it going to be like having to shoot against him instead of having him in the crease behind you? Well, I think if, if you want anybody to shoot against him, it's me. I know all his weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's going to be definitely weird seeing him in the other net. Uh, I think I've been, I've been playing with that guy for like 10 years now, so that's definitely going to be weird. Yeah, you got a lot of guys from the NTDP program going to the NCAA, and you guys were part of such a historic program this year with 17 overall players being selected in the NHL draft, which broke an NHL record. Uh, how does it feel to be part of such a special group and also share it with your best friends at the same time? 
Oh, I think maybe right now looking at it, um, you, you don't think too much of it, but I think, I think when I'm a little bit older, looking back on it, seeing how crazy that, that number is, I think it's going to be pretty cool one day. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely something I'll remember for, for the rest of my life. Being friends with a lot of these guys, I mean, everybody's still a competitor. What was the internal competition like on the team throughout the year? Yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty crazy. I mean, practices were like games. Um, I mean, I think that's, I think it's where everyone made their strides and improvement. Even, even the guys that didn't get quote unquote, I guess, picked in the first round are the top guys. Um, I mean, those were the most important guys, I guess, in practice. Um, cause you need to have that, that competition up and down the lineup. So I think, I think it was definitely an awesome environment. Whether you know it or not, it can reflect it at this point in time. You and Alex Turcott now have become part of one of the biggest and meanest rivalries in the NHL. Uh, has it set in that maybe one day you'll line up against each other and in such a heated rivalry? Yeah, I mean, I, I told him. I told him we might have to drop the Mets game one just to just to give the people what they want. <laughs> but, no, it's going to be funny, I think. Um, Ducks-Kings is, is a great rivalry, and I think, I think me and him will have some fun with it for sure. For sure. I'm sure the fans will, too. Uh, you, you both are intending the World Junior Summer Showcase with a bunch of your former teammates and also a few of the Ducks' current prospects. Does it take some of the pressure away from camp, knowing that you're going to know most of the guys there? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really say too, too much pressure, I guess. I mean, it's going to be at the, the rink I just played at for two years. I'm going to know most of the most of the people that are going to be there. Um, so I think I'm just going to try and have fun with it, uh, taking as much as I can. Like I said before, um, kind of just put my best foot forward. Right, and, and it's leading up to the the World Junior Championships, which is still about over five months away. Is it hard not to look forward to that and think what it would be like to represent your country again in such a big tournament? Oh, yeah, I mean, I definitely think about it. I mean, growing up, I think that's the tournament you, you always put on the TV or uh, around Christmas time with your family. Um, so, I mean, that's definitely something I, I've been looking forward to, um, and hopefully I get the opportunity to play in it. Some players go their entire career without the opportunity to represent their country. How special is it to wear the USA colors, especially when it comes to international play? Yeah, I was very fortunate to make the NTDP. Um, and we're, we're, we're the USA across my chest at such a young age. Um, but I think it's, it's definitely something that, uh, that I'll remember the rest of my life. And I'm very fortunate I got that opportunity to do. And last question I got for you. When you were at uh, development camp, did you have a chance to, to meet Ryan Getzlaff or meet any of the coaching staff? And, and what are your feelings about eventually getting the chance to, to line up with uh, what is going to be considered probably one of the best players in Ducks history? Yeah, no, I, I actually, Dallas Eakins actually ran our, our practices all week. Um, got to know him pretty pretty well. He's a really, really good guy and a really good coach. Uh, I, saw, I saw Ryan Getzlaff walking around, but I didn't get a, get a chance to meet him. Um, but I mean, there was there were players coming in and out of that place. So I mean, it's definitely cool to I guess familiarize yourself with them and put a, put a put a name to a face. So it's pretty cool. Well, listen, Trevor, we appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, and best of luck this year at Boston University. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. All right, welcome back. That was our interview with Ducks' ninth overall draft pick in the 2019 NHL Entry Draft, Trevor Zegras. Got to thank him again for coming on. Uh, I mean, him taking his time out of his day and out of his busy schedule to come on the show was great. Uh, great interview. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we've got some more interviews with prospects coming up too. So, you know, this was, wasn't just a one-off. We've got a bunch more coming. Yeah, no, that was awesome. Again, Ed, thanks for getting that together. And thanks Trevor for coming on the show. Like, like we said, we really appreciate it. Um, but we do have a little bit extra to talk about here. And I think we should probably start 
with the opportunity for the Ducks to reveal a third jersey. They did this last year, and they did it at the Orange Alliance Beach Party. That's coming up again here in a few weeks. Do you think that's what's going to happen again this season? I mean, it, it could be, right? Like It would did, so be the Ducks, right? Like, oh, surprise again. Yeah. Well, they need one, right? Like, everybody yeah. has... I mean, they don't technically need one, but everybody has a third jersey. The Ducks usually have a third jersey, uh, unless like I feel like if they don't, we're just going to assume that it's going to be the same one as last year. Uh, but there was rumors, I think from Aesthetics even way or Aesthetics way back, beginning of either last season or the season before, that the Ducks were thinking about switching to orange for their home jerseys permanently. Uh, I haven't heard anything since way back when those rumors came out. So I don't know if that's actually going to be true. I doubt it. Uh, but I would like to see some sort of jersey reveal. That would be nice. It would kind of jumpstart the season a bit. It gives us more <laughs> more content to talk about on the show if we've got a third jersey to break down. I, I hope so. I hope it's not the same. I did, I did enjoy last year's, but I thought that was supposed to be just the anniversary thing and that was it. Yeah, I, I don't really think they're going to put a new one out. I know there's a, a little bit of a rumor rolling around about it maybe being another third jersey because they don't have one. But uh, I don't see it. It hasn't been any sort of like, um, you know, any sort of piece of of, uh, of information on the web that comes up when you type it in. There's like no rumor about it anywhere online. People are just assuming because it's we need one or they don't have a third jersey and it's the Orange Lions beach party again, that it's going to be the day that they're going to do it. I just don't see them pumping one out. I think they're just going to roll with what they had last year for sure. I I, I don't know, though. Like, I, I swear when they talked about that jersey and, you know, the way it was built and the way it was set up was it was for that anniversary and, and because they were linking together. You know, Paul was getting his jersey retired and Scotty was getting his jersey retired and they're from the two different eras of the Ducks with the Mighty Ducks and the, and the Anaheim Ducks and you had the kind of mixing of the two jerseys with, with the older colors and the black and the older logo with the orange in it. Like It felt like it was only for last season and honestly I would like it a lot better if it was like a limited edition for the anniversary season. Like It would, it would make more sense to have the jersey like that and then have a different one for this year i wouldn't hate it if they brought it back because it was popular but again if you want to make money it doesn't take too much work to design a third jersey people are going to buy it people bought the the last one like crazy and people are still split on it you know some people liked it it grew on people it grew on me i didn't like it too much in the beginning and then i ended up getting one i, I think it's an opportunity here to maybe go in a different direction and, and bring out one that people are gonna really like and they're probably going to go. They'll probably go towards more of an orange color, I imagine, too, if they're going to do anything. Yeah, they have to. I mean, I, I don't. I think they they won't want to go back to the old colors because they already did that last year. And if they make a new one, it it the only color I can imagine it would be is orange. Like you, the home jerseys are black, the away are white. You don't really have a lot of flexibility like teams like you know like Tampa did with theirs because they're blue, so they can go black for their uh, third jersey. Same with the Chicago Blackhawks. They went black for their, I think it was their stadium series or winter classic jerseys. The Ducks don't really have that option where they can go a different color. And really the only other color than orange maybe they could go is like gold. But that would, I, that just wouldn't work as a main color on their jersey. So I, I guess it would be orange. But like how many orange jerseys can you do before they all start looking similar, right? We've had, what, two, the stadium series and the third jersey from two years ago. What what makes it different this year? Whether it's like a different looking logo, like that's the only thing I could see. The, the, the Ducks haven't had a new logo 
since I don't even want to count the stadium series. It would be, I guess, since the old uh, Coho jerseys, right? Yeah, it's been a while for sure. I mean, they're probably going to – I think a lot of people thought that the Mighty Ducks logo on the orange is going to be something they were going to do, right? Like that's always been long rumored that's going to be the new jersey for them. And that's yeah. why – and like you said, you know, how many different ways can they go about it? I, that's why I feel like there's not going to be another jersey here for a bit. And if there is, maybe minor changes like, you know, where the stripes are, how the stripes go on the jersey – I don't. I don't see anything significant coming out in the next few weeks. Yeah, like if you're not if you're not gonna go with a new logo and put some time and effort into it, then I'm I'm all for if you want one, then just having last year's. As much as I'd like it to just be for the anniversary, don't rush it. Like if you're gonna design a new logo just for the third jersey, like a third jersey type logo, it's gotta look good. Like you look at what Winnipeg did last year, that felt rushed because the color, the blue was awful and the logo was just a little bit weird you you know what i'm talking about right they're they're jet blue oh yeah jerseys. the baby yeah. blue one yeah yeah that felt a little bit rushed and then you've got some other ones that that came out and looked pretty good but you know if you're if you're going orange it's it's going to be hard to make it look really good to begin with and then you've got to have a logo that would work with it and i don't you know the fact we haven't heard anything probably means they didn't do it usually somebody somehow gets a scoop of something before before something like that that big comes out so if we see something it's, it's either from last year or maybe they go back to the orange with the mighty duck from two years ago i, I can't see them doing a completely new jersey now let's move on here maybe we got some signings to talk about here minor signings but definitely signings to chat about <laughs> yeah, the... yeah we got a headline that with minor signings minor None of them were the, Not the, even big. The only major one is Michael Delzato, which I, was a kind of a head scratcher to me that he comes back. Not a big is deal. Is it major? <laughs> no, I'm teasing that. No, that's not really a big deal. He's it's low money, low term. He's he's going to play five six. Not a big deal. Um, they needed depth, so I don't have a problem with it at all. It's not really going to affect the Ducks. I mean, and uh, hey man, more, bring a ring into the room, right? Didn't he win a ring last year? He didn't play one playoff game, and he played seven seven regular season <laughs> games with uh, with the St. Louis Blues. But I'm sure he'll petition, and they'll petition to get him a ring because usually that's what they do. And uh, they might I don't know how much of a case they have because considering he didn't play at all during the playoffs. But uh, hey, he uh, if he gets one, he's a former Stanley Cup champion, Michael Delzato. So that uh, I guess carries some weight with it. I don't know, but uh, the the Ducks blue line is looking interesting because they've just got a lot of these these guys who. Are I guess would be good AHLers and like maybe a six or a seven in the NHL where they've got Holzer and Delzato and I guess you know we haven't seen anything from Hackenpah and what he's going to be but they have him as well and then you have Josh Mahura knocking on the door uh, in the AHL like they've got all these guys who could fill that spot just weird that they're going out for so many because Delzato's was a one year one way. Uh, Holzer's was a one-year, one-way, and I believe so was Hackenpah. So one of these guys, or maybe even two of them, are going to get paid NHL money to play in the AHL. The Ducks don't seem to care usually too much, or the Samuelis care too much about paying uh, these guys NHL money in the AHL. They, it's good for them if the goals are good. They make money if the goals are good, so it's not a big deal. It's just weird to see them going out and getting so many of these types of guys. Yeah, the funny thing about Delzato, um, and you know what? I mean, I, I understand I'm not an NHL player, and I've never been on a team like I, you know, I'm nowhere, not even close. The closest I ever get is Xbox. But it's just funny how he didn't play a playoff game, and NHL.com has a video of him jumping from the edge of his pool to Stanley Cup above his head into the pool. <laughs> <laughs> just do they actually? 
Yeah, there's a video of him jumping into the pool with a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, <laughs> he's another left shot D, which is, is definitely interesting. But when you look at, you know, we, we talked about how for a while the left side is, is really deep. Uh, but for like a 5-6 guy, they didn't really have much depth uh, other than the younger guys. Like it, it's Lindholm, Fowler, and then you get Larson and Gooley and Mahura. So you got three really young guys all on ELCs that you can move up and down easily. And Delzato kind of becomes that third option if you you know if Larson isn't working out and you want to give him more time in the AHL or same for Gooley or, or you want to keep Mahura down there. You now have that number or I guess that five on the left side where you can put him there and you know you're not where you can develop the younger guys in the minors so it gives them a little bit of flexibility there that they didn't really have I Vidalzado's not really a veteran at 29 but they didn't have that that guy that you could put down there that wasn't one of the younger kids yeah I don't think it's a bad option not a big deal there at all I feel like it's 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 750k no yeah it's fine it's totally fine we need the depth not worried about it at all. Uh, Andreas Martinson. That was uh, he signed a one-year two-way contract, so he makes seven fifty in the NHL and two fifty in the AHL. Just seems like he's going to start with the goals, especially with with how logjam the wings are. If he does come up, he's probably a fourth line guy. But I don't even see how he gets called up above some, you know, Maxim Komtov. He starts down there. Isaac Lindstrom. He seems like a guy who will probably play in the AHL most of the season. He kind of did that last year. He split time between Chicago and Rockford, but he played 24 games with the Blackhawks and 38 with with Rockford. I think it's more of a uh, more of a you know a bigger gap with the, the goals in Anaheim. Like if he comes up, he probably plays like 5 or 10 games this year. Yeah, again, it's a it's not a huge signing, but it's it's more or less an AHL signing. That's all that's all it's going to be. They're not going to bring him up over the other kids and it's not like he's a young kid either. He's 28 years old. Um you know, he's had he's had plenty of time in the NHL. Played, you know, like you said, played for Colorado. He's played for Montreal. He's played for Chicago, but uh, he's he's not an impact player. He's a fourth line guy. Yeah, and I mean, he'll be a good player in San Diego. Yeah, like he no, had, sure. I think, I don't mind fourteen points in thirty eight sure. games. He's not, uh, you know, a volume scorer at any level, but he provides a little bit of grit and a little bit of of um, you know size down at the AHL level where they lost some of those guys. Like Adam Cracknell moved on and went to the KHL, so they lost a bit of size there. And Cracknell was a better player than Martinson is, but when you look at the Ducks bringing in some scores down there, Antoine Moran's coming up. They brought in uh, Paul Urelski, Blake Pitella, uh, Chase DeLeo. He just re-signed uh, before arbitration, so they've got him as well. And with Comtois, and if Kosala comes back, and Isaac Linderstrom, and if Sherwood starts down there, or Jones, like they've got all these scores. They don't really have that you know, third-line or fourth-line energy guy down there right now. So it's not the end of the world. And he comes in at one year, two-way. Like, he'll he'll be paid 250 k to play down there. It's not a big deal. No, not a big deal at all. And with the amount of amount of guys that, you know, good Lord, just fled San Diego or weren't re-signed, you, you got to restock yeah. that pool. You have to get depth back there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, you know, some of the guys, Kevin Wall leaving was a little bit disappointing. But, again, when you have – a lot of younger guys who are supposed to start down there, and you'd probably rather give Maxim Comtois or Jones or Sherwood or DeLeo or you know any of those guys I already mentioned. You'd rather give them top six minutes, I think, at this point than Kevin Waugh, and I'm sure Kevin Waugh himself would rather go to an organization where there's a little bit less of a logjam that he could possibly move up in the lineup. So 
when you bring in a guy like Martinson, it's it's obviously less of an impact than what Wall or Cracknell bring. But you know, he kind of knows where he's going to be, and you know where he's going to be. Where he'll spend most of the year on like a third line in the AHL, and that's fine with both the organization and with the player. You're like, oh, boohoo! We have an embarrassment of riches here with a, young, a bunch of young prospects coming up. It's just the way it works. <laughs> like, no, <whoa>. exactly. <laughs> oh, woe is me! It's like, oh man, we have so many good guys, we can't play some of them. Oh, what are we gonna do? <laughs> yeah, well, good, we have so many, we have so many young have. guys. We're not going to be able to play some of them, but let's go out and get Nick Delory and we'll... <laughs> oh, to protect the kids, man. Protect the kids. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, that's why I that's just... why the Oilers wouldn't got Lucic just to protect Connor McDavid. That worked out great. Yeah, at least Nick much Delorey's larger making... scale for sure. Just saying. Yeah, <laughs> Delory's making nine hundred k. Lucic's making like six and a half million. So Lucic take... <laughs> is one of the worst contracts in the NHL by far. Yeah, so I'll not take, comparing uh, the two. Just, just kidding. Um, um, last guy was DeLeo. We briefly mentioned him, but he avoided arbitration with the Ducks and re-signed for 750k one-year two-way contract. Uh, more, I guess, like at this level, it's kind of still a prove-yourself contract that he only signed for one year, and, and both for him and the team, they're saying almost prove that you're valuable and that you can stick around. And he's probably going out there trying to prove that he can make the NHL and, and make an impact. So a little bit on both sides there, I think. You know, the two-way protects the Ducks a little bit, but that they, that they can pay him a bit less while he's in the minors. I like it because he put up 55 points in 66 games last year. So he's a yep. good one or first or second-line center uh, in the in the AHL next year. Whether they move him to wing or not, it all depends. But you've got hey, he's him. He's still 23 and, years old, and, and he killed it last year. I think that, I mean, yeah, yeah. you got to resign them. He, he's he's one of the dynamic players down in San Diego for sure. Yeah, exactly. And when you look at down the middle, they have some options with him and Moran and Paul Urelski and Lundestrom if he plays down there. So they have some pretty good center depth, where, where or even Sam Carrick as well. So they, they've got about four or five guys that they can play at center, and, and you know Carrick can move to the wing, DeLeo can move to the wing as well, Paul Urelski, like Moran, they're all guys that can play center and wing. So they've got a lot of options to move these guys around. And you know even with the goals losing Steele and Terry and Jones likely, they brought in some really good, interesting replacements. That they're, they're still going to be a good team next year. They they honestly might be better. The blue line will be a little bit worse, but up front they could just be just as good, if not better. And you know, in, in goal you've still got Boyle, and now you have Stolars as well. Like they, you know, Bob Murray has done a pretty good job of making the goals competitive again for next season. Yeah, no, he really has. I, I, this is this is a good signing. He's a small kid. And he's a California kid, so you got to keep him. That's how I felt about it. But no, I'm, I'm just surprised at how effective he is and the way the NHL is going. I mean, the guy's five foot nine, listed on Hockey Reference. Maybe they added an inch. He's not a very big guy if you've ever seen him in yeah, person. I think, I think they did. They might have. But uh, it, no, it's amazing the way the NHL has kind of turned on from being these big six foot two, six foot three, two hundred and twenty pound kids to now, you know, you, you're going with these smaller, faster guys, even at pivot, which is, you know, most of the time when you're talking about a guy, you want him at least be six foot. And, you know, close to 200, 210 pounds. And, you know, this he's, this guy's being effective in a really rough AHL, right? I mean, those guys in the AHL try to take their head off. And he's he's five foot nine and ultra effective. So, um, good they brought him back. I think he does have a chance to maybe pop up this season with the Ducks. We'll see what happens. But uh, I'm really happy he stayed here. Yeah, he played one game last year. Um, there's, a, there's a chance if there's injuries that he might get a shot. But the Ducks have so much depth now. 
up front, you know, even like we said, adding Nick Delore and then Derek Grant to have even as a spare forward as well. And then you have uh, Comtois who could start down in the minors and Lindstrom and then Sam Carey came up a bunch last year as well. So I would like to see him get another shot uh, at some point, but not if he's taking, you know, a spot from a guy that's playing a little bit better, a guy we'd rather see it and made Maxim Comtois. I'm, you know, I'm fully comfortable where he can come up and play and be an energy guy. And, and make an impact in a bottom six role if they need him to. But then at the same time, like last year, I'm comfortable with him staying in San Diego and being a real asset to their, to their, you know, to their hopefully long playoff run. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, before we wrap, we got a couple little tidbits to talk about here. Did you want to start with, uh, with Cam Fowler or did you want to go with Eric Stevens? A couple, a uh, couple of biggies here to, to end the show. Yeah, let's let's go with uh, Eric Stevens' article he, uh, where he predicted the roster for next year. One thing in particular on his uh, his roster for next year kind of I don't I don't want to say it sparked debate or got people heated. I think it just brought up some questions and people were speculating if they that could really happen. And that was having Sam Steele as the number one center and bumping Ryan Getzlaff to number two. Uh, what do you think, like? The, the main question and concern I think around that was, is Sam Steele ready to be a number one center? And and I honestly feel like I don't think Stevens had him there because he thinks he's a number one center now, more so just to give him the opportunity and take some of the pressure off Ryan Getzloff. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's ready either, right? I, he hasn't seen a ton of NHL time, especially in that, in that position. Um, it's a big ask for the kid. And I'm not saying he can't ever fill that role, but uh, we've never really projected Steele, and most haven't, right, as him being a number one C. So interesting that Stevens took that route, but I get where his head's at. He's, you know, talking about, like you said, give a little bit of uh, of relief to Ryan Getzloff, let him slot in. Um, he would probably eat up second lines much easier and be more productive if he played with some good wingers, which we know the Ducks have. So I don't hate the idea. I just, like you said, I, I feel like it's more of an idea rather than, um, yeah, it's, he's definitely better than Ryan Getzloff, which is, if you got that off the article, that's the wrong idea. Yeah, and, you know, in comparison to my roster predictions for, for next season, uh, Eric has it the offense spread out a lot more evenly, where he's got Steele playing with Ricard Raquel and Silverberg, Getzloff playing with Devin Shore and Troy Terry, and, and so he can kind of boost those guys up. You've got, you know, Troy Terry, who's who's kind of, so far been reliant on who he's playing with and Devin Shore who is a guy that gets boosted obviously playing with Ryan Getzlaff he's got Henrique with Richie and Kasha which is a line that we've seen do well in the past and then Jones with Rowney and Sprung kind of similar to what I had except I just had Steele with Shore and Sprung on a third line role and then just overloading that top line like we saw with Getzlaff and uh, Raquel and Kasha it's an interesting mix. I'm, I'm not sure which way they're going to go. I, I, I think, you know, if you give Sam Steele the chance to play with Ricard Raquel and Jakob Silverberg, it's not necessarily labeling him as the first-line center. No. It's just giving him an opportunity to play with some really great players, two of the probably the two best finishers on the Ducks, and, and really giving him a chance to succeed. I well, would look, hate it. Well, look, I mean, there's, there's, no, there, there's no problem in it. I, I'm sorry I cut you off there. It's just... Because if you roll four lines and you spread and you mix up line combinations, nobody would think anything of it mid game, right? No yeah. one's going to think anything of it. Oh, look, they have Steele playing up with Raquel this shift. No one's going to bat an eye at it. But to, I think when someone says like, or when Stevens comes out and says, you know, have Steele's number one C, they're like, oh, that's you know, you're taking yeah. it away when from you see Ryan it on Getzloff. Paper. It's like, yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. So I think that's that's, that's where it goes wrong for people if it's going to go wrong at all. But I, I don't I don't mind the idea at all. I mean, Getzloff's at that point in his career. He just had one of his worst years on record um, offensively. Granted, the Ducks season last year, if you guys watched it, it was a trade wreck. Um, <laughs> a lot of changes this summer. Coaching staff changes, personnel changes. So we'll see how that all begins when the season starts. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Steele's a great player. Um, but that rolls more than offense for sure. But, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all with that, with that notion that, you know, to, to maybe I like the idea better because it gives Ryan Getzloff less pressure. And that's, I think that's, that would be probably better for him, honestly. Yeah. And if that came with power play two time for Sam Steele, I, I wouldn't hate seeing that either. I think, right. Honestly, at this point, uh, as much as like, I think Adam Henrique's a useful player and he can be good on the power play as we've seen. He was actually one of the better players on the power play for the Ducks last year. I think giving Sam Steele a shot on the power play over Adam Henrique at center is more beneficial to the Ducks long term than, than right now. And maybe Sam Steele ends up being better than Adam Henrique on the power play next season. You don't know. I mean, he's been a power play quarterback on the uh, in junior for most of his career where he's been the go-to guy and even at the World Juniors with Canada. So it's worth a shot that if that responsibility with Ricard Raquel and Jakob Silverberg comes with power play two time, then that's fine. I mean, looking generally at his 12 guys, I like it because he has the same 12 guys as me. So I, I kind oh, of... Of course uh, you like it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got I to gotta give him some props for that. But, uh, at, you know, he's got uh, DeLorean and, and Sherwood as his uh, as his depth guys. Same with, with Comtois Lindstrom, but likely likely uh, Sherwood, Comtois Lindstrom, if they're not on the roster, will be in San Diego anyway. Yep. Now let's wrap up, man, with Cam Fowler. We can't spend a long time on this, but uh, we should definitely talk about it a little bit. But uh, it, was an ath- it was an athletic article, correct, that came out that said uh, Cam Fowler was one of the worst contracts in the NHL? Yeah, from Dom. Uh, he had him at number seven on his list of the, the current worst contracts in the NHL. I don't disagree. I really don't disagree. I didn't like this contract when it was signed two summers ago. I wasn't a fan of it, man. Just not a fan of that of that contract. I don't, I'm not that I dislike Cam Fowler, but I feel like that term, you're going to pay a guy $50 million. Um, he better be damn good. And Cam Fowler is good. I don't think he's damn good. I think he's a 3-4 defenseman, not a 1-2 defenseman. Um, and yeah, I've gotten crap for that plenty of times for saying that about Cam Fowler by Ducks fans. But uh, he's not a he's not a top-pairing defenseman. Right? He's he's not the ultimate shutdown guy. He's not the the power play quarterback. Maybe things change a little bit for him when he plays on his offside, and that'll be better for him, um, as, as Bob Murray experiments with at the end of last season. But uh, Sure, he had his worst season last year, but even in Dom's article, he said, hey, look, I'm projecting him to be better next year above replacement value, but he's got seven more years of this contract, and he's making six and a half. Um, like I said, I didn't like the contract in the beginning. Not that Cam Fowler's a bad player. Just, uh, yeah, it's not a great contract for sure. Yeah, and the, the reason I like this, too, is it's not necessarily his personal opinion because he's doing this empirically so he's doing it by data so he has no emotion and and no you know no sympathy for some players or whatever and he's not putting a guy he doesn't like at the top he's just simply judging it by data so he's put into surplus value is what he has so he said over the entirety of a contract and the probability of yielding positive expected value so that's coming from comparing goal scored versus against and the expected salary that comes with it 
to the current contract a player possesses. So he used data to figure this out. It's not like, you know, we had people coming at us and saying, you know, Bobby Ryan's contract is worse or this guy's contract is worse. And, you know, that may be true. That may be true based off production or, or whatever, when the contract was signed or, or personal opinion as well. I just like this because he's just going off data. He's not saying, you know, I don't like Cam Fowler, so Cam Fowler's number seven on my list. Or, right. or there's no personal opinion here. He's just... You know, he's, he has a, a system that he's gone with, and Cam Fowler happens to land at number seven. And, you know, maybe he isn't the seventh worst contract in the league when you look at things uh, from a different perspective. But based on, on him, it is. And, and even when he puts in, he has a positive value probability of 11.7%. So there, he's saying there's still a chance that he becomes – like the, that he is at valued at the same – at six and a half over seven years. You know, there is still a chance that he can fulfill the value on the contract just right now. He isn't, and the surplus value was like $35 million, negative uh, uh, $35 million that the Ducks would be losing based off of what he's actually worth. But I don't want to hate on Cam Fallon. No, we're no. not. That's not what we're, we're here not for. hating on him. I think, yeah, he has a place on this team. He is a top four defenseman, but six and a half is a, is a little bit rich. I think when we were looking back on this, we said he should make somewhere between five, five and a half. Obviously, the cap's gone up a bit. And if he went to free agency right now, he would probably make six and a half, if not more, right? When you look at what some of the guys are getting right now. But from from what he brings to the team, it, it's tough, right? He's had a couple down seasons, but so have the Ducks. Uh, his, his main plus generally has been being able to move the puck up the ice and, and get clean zone exits and that has kind of steadily gone down over the last two seasons so he is due for a rebound hopefully on a better ducks team and if the ducks utilize him correctly and actually put him with somebody that can help him out he has never really ever been with anybody that can then that, that's really i know i don't know how to say it like that anybody that's really benefited him or, or uh, it him. yeah, yeah complimented his style of play other than Brandon Montour for a, a brief period of time and then they never put them back together and then Montour obviously got traded to the Sabres Gooley and, and Fowler look good together so hopefully we get a little more of a taste of that at the beginning of next season but I, I want Fowler to do well I really do but I don't I can't dispute him being number seven on this list because it isn't a great contract especially because it's seven years as well yeah, and that's and that's tough. Like you said too, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, what, what's going to help him and and make his role easier. He was he was paired often with guys who would just anchor him, right? I mean, BXA, yeah. anchor him. It, it's just you can't Boschman. you Boshman. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Those guys were past their prime, and Cam was charged with trying to carry the load. Um, but top end defensemen and like the top pairing defenseman is uh, Chris likes to battle me on all the time. Uh, they still persevere through, still put up large amounts of points, could still qu- quarterback a power play. That's just not Cam. That's fine. Cam Fowler is a great third defenseman, I feel like, on this team, and there's no problem with that at all. No, no, there's no problem with, with it. It's just right now he's the highest-paid defenseman, and I think we can all agree that, that Hampus Lindholm is the best player in this team, but that's just how it works when your contract comes up at a certain time. Oh, whoa, and... you said best player. you got to correct the best defenseman on this team. Okay, yes. Hampus, <laughs> Hampus is the best defenseman on the team. Might, and, some might say Gibson's the best player on the team. Uh, well, yeah, 100%. John Gibson's <laughs> the best player on this team. He's probably the best defenseman on this team, too. Yeah, <laughs> most likely. Too, so. um, but, yeah, I, I guess right now, Should Cam Fowler is the second best. Wash, but did not. Oh, easily. 
we we've talked about this a million times, but John Gibson should have easily I don't know won the best. He should have got a nomination. He should have won. Uh, and when you look at the the final voting, he got completely screwed, which was insane. Yeah, Bobby gave him that uh, third but, place vote. He got one third place vote. Yeah, hundred percent. That was Bob Murray. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Cam Fowler right now is the Ducks' second best defenseman. He's better than Josh Manson. We don't know yet, obviously, about Brandon Gooley and, and uh, Jacob Larson. But if they ever got to the same level as Cam Fowler, those would be wins for the Ducks, uh, giving you know based on what they give up for them and what their projections are. So you got to pay the guy, especially when when his name came up in free agency and at the time when it came up, you, you've got to pay to keep him around. And the Ducks were still considered a competitive team at the time, so they probably had to overpay to make sure that they could get him for that seven-year term. So I get it. Yeah, I don't fault Cam for making that money. To get all the money yeah. you can, man. <laughs> it's not a it's not a Luchich contract. It's it's not a you know it's not one of the worst contracts in the world when you look at you know current production and what Cam Fowler still brings to the team. Uh, but I, I I can't again I can't dispute it being on the list because it isn't a great contract and he's using you know his model and his data to predict it. So I'm not going to come out and say that his model is completely wrong because it isn't a great contract. But it it definitely isn't. It probably is not the seventh worst contract in the league when you look at some of the contracts <laughs> that, are, that are out there. Hey man, let's let's wrap the show up here with the website. Um, finally got it up. Still tinkering with it. Um, the only unfortunate thing is that we can't get the depth chart to work on mobile. We don't have uh, the money to uh, to do the uh, what do you call it the, the custom coding on the back end to make yeah. that user friendly. So yeah, we we had it we had it big enough so that you could see it on uh, on desktop, but then Google didn't like it being too big for mobile. So yeah, they so we had to shrink it. it a bit. Yeah, but you can still see like you if you open it and load it up now in most browsers, you can see about seventy five percent of it, and then you can just scroll down and, and use the scroll bar, or you click on you can just like uh, highlight a small part of it and then use the uh, the arrows to, to key over. But you can see like the the main important parts right now, the like the contract data, the draft data, uh, you know all the positional stuff, uh, the bio where they're acquired. If you scroll over a little bit, then you can see the points. And if there's any player news or injury news, you can you can see it all there. It's still accessible. And if, I, I urge you not to view it on mobile because it's a it's not a pleasant experience to view the draft chart on mobile. If you want to go look at the death chart, definitely do it on the computer. Yeah, everything else is great. Uh, you can go and find us. You know all the all the posts that we're going to be posting mainly from the site and it's going to be linking out uh, out to social media you know from the website so you'll be able to get all the shows here uh at forevermighty.com um anything you want to throw in there man before we take off uh no well i mean like other than that uh like if you want to find out where to listen to the show or watch the show that's all on the website as well uh eventually we're gonna have uh, merchandise that's gonna be up there uh it does say somebody asked us about the pre-order button that's on there uh, we're not in the process of setting up pre-orders, so that button is just static and it will take you back to the merchandise page. So if you are wondering why the pre-order button doesn't work or take you anywhere, we haven't set that up yet. But that hopefully will all be set up by what, like the fall, by the beginning of the season, we would hope. Yeah, no, we can definitely do that. Yeah, we can even probably have that. I got something we can talk to you about here off the show I got to tell you about here, but uh, it'll come sooner than later. Uh, things are in the works for that for sure. Yeah, so if if you're wondering why the pre-order button or, or those buttons on the gear page don't work, it's just it's it's not your browser, it's not anything. We just haven't set it up yet, so that'll all be coming soon. Yep, that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you Trevor Zegers for coming on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.